Hi, my name's Sean Taylor. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter. And I waited until after we started recording and I unmuted my mic before I realized I really have to clear my throat very badly. Chris, how you doing? I am doing <laughs> relatively good for some reason. Uh, so, big Lakers fan, but they're out of the playoffs now. But you know what? Weirdly enough, this is the most calm I've been with the Lakers being eliminated from playoffs because, you know, there's so many injuries that even if they pass this round, they're so injury ridden right now that they probably wouldn't win the championship. So I'm just like, all right, just and they did not have a lot of time to rest. They had the shortest amount of time between the final, the last championship and the beginning of the next season. I believe it's the shortest amount of time in sports history of any sports. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't blame them for for this time around. Get some rest. Hopefully, make some good additions next year. Add more three point shooters because Lakers. Are terrible at shooting threes. Like, You're you know, in money trouble. Shot. I don't know what you. I think Chris. The I thing is, been. you say that, <laughs> right? But the NBA somehow these GMs make stuff work. They they I, do, but I I don't see it. I don't see where the I don't see where it's coming from. Uh, maybe some sign and trade type deal or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't like Dennis Schroeder at all, but he's like. Uh, I don't know. He might be one of the more realistic possibilities to bring back. Uh, how, what's your feelings on Schroeder? Are you a fan? I am not a fan. Uh, he's he's inconsistent. That's I all. I think my that he's thing. not worth his price. Sometimes tag. maybe that's the right word. Sometimes I really like him. He plays. Sometimes plays really great on uh, on ball defense, but um, and sometimes he gets the hole really really well. Um, but he's he's really inconsistent with that. Would like someone more consistent. But what I'm saying. Somehow the Nets pulled off getting James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant all on the same team, but apparently all making pretty great money. But they uh, they had the they had the assets and some financial flexibility that the Lakers do not even have anything close they, to. They they can make it work. I Somehow. I will be I will be interested. I keep some just I just need more three point shooters. Just just <laughs> doesn't have to be expensive ones. Just guys that I don't. Shoot. Just guys who can shoot above forty. Uh, what's a, who did Danny Green go away for? Because I feel like Danny Green he went bad last year, but then did that bring in Casey? They brought in, no, KCP's been there. They brought in, uh, Wesley Matthews. Oh, that's right. And he, uh, I guess he was nothing. He was crap. He was a disappointment. Really? Uh, but he shoots a high rate, doesn't he? I think he usually does, but he just was didn't hit it this year. pretty disappointed. Yeah. He's older. He's had some surgeries. I get it. Uh, as a KU fan, I saw that Markeith Morris was mostly a playoff non-factor, so that was intriguing to me. Um, and then <laughs> Harrell, uh, you got a guy who is sixth man of the year, who, yeah, and then was, this year it feels good. like he didn't have a defined role. Felt like that was yeah. a weird transition for him, but I, I don't know. I'll be intrigued to see where it goes, but Long story short, it feels like a good year for uh, kind of a weird team to jump in and win one for once. It feels like that kind of year to me. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Um, away from away from basketball and on to our our <laughs> second favorite topic of choice. No, just kidding. It's our first favorite topic of choice. Uh, you said you had some Avatar slash Netflix news, or just Avatar uh, news? Avatar Netflix news. Um, so. Um, shout out to it, the Igbo. Uh, well, I, I knew this news, but I forgot to talk about it in our last episode. So there's some recent announcements. Well, not official announcements, but like pretty confirmed sources and stuff like that. Um, this news from, I got the news from Avatar News Twitter, which they're pretty good news sources. This one guy, but he seems to be the type of person who doesn't just like put whatever on there just to put whatever on there. Uh, he, he confirms the sources and stuff like that. He doesn't run with clickbaity stuff. He, he's got saying. a filter. So, That's always a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if something's like very rumory, he'll be like, take this with a grain of salt. But, uh, so it comes from, from him and I guess other places, but I saw it from him. Anyway, it's about casting news for the Avatar Netflix series, which I have lost most excitement about. I think it will take a trailer to get me excited about it again. Even then, I'll be like, well, Mike and Brian's not involved. Uh, and trailers get exciting, but uh, I don't know. I don't trust trailers. <laughs> yeah. The Mortal Kombat trailer is pretty exciting. The Godzilla vs. Trailer. Kong was pretty exciting. <laughs> Those were great trailers. Yeah. Um, anyway, the 
Oh, good steal. Um, the news is... I must be a little <laughs> bit behind you. Yeah. Wait, where am I ahead of you? Behind you. I'm behind you. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Chris missed like three of the Lakers' first round games. He's already watching more Clippers games out of vengeful spirit. Yeah, screw them. Um, anyway, <laughs> oh, casting news. So they're uh, they have, we have casting, not casting news, but what they're looking for in the in this cast. Uh, about four characters, four pretty important characters. Um, so say that um, the Aang. They're looking for a 12-year-old East Asian or South Asian. Uh, Kutara, they're looking for a 14-year-old Indigenous North American. And for Sokka, a 16-year-old Indigenous North American. And for Zuko, a 17-year-old East Asian or South Asian. So that seems to be fairly accurate with the show, uh, which that's, uh, that is good. Oh, then they were... Oh, there's something about the ages... Um, in the in the show, they're going to change their ages slightly. Um, so you know they're keep Aang twelve, keep Katara fourteen, make Sokka sixteen instead of in the show he's fifteen, and then make Zuko seventeen instead of in the show where he's sixteen. I thought he turned seventeen like midway through the show. I mean, all of them, I feel like ages at least a year. I mean, they all age at least. I would say it's a long nine months process. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're talking very light age-ups and not yeah. to the extent that we had discussed previously. Yeah. I would say that's a win. Yes, and also before, it was they were fl- they flip-flopped Katara and Sokka's age to make Katara like... Well, I wouldn't say that. Those are rumors um, <laughs> that they're making Katara, I think, like 15 or 16 and making Sokka 14, which would have made the Aang-Katara dynamic like way weirdo where, you know, it it uh verges on the crushing on your babysitter type of deal <laughs> and uh not crushing on her i don't know bigger crush <laughs> uh <laughs> slightly older older crush but uh so yeah this is, i wonder if 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 they were putting that out there sometimes i feel like hollywood folks put stuff out there as rumors so to see how the reaction is going to be and those are pretty negative that. yeah well especially in that case where like you know, it could have had an impact, but it'd be like a fairly easy flip. Like, oh, no, they hated it. We better. Yeah. We saw Sonic the Hedgehog. We know how this goes. We got to change that now. Yeah. I know that. <laughs> I'm kind of missed on that. I mean, I actually really enjoyed the movie Sonic. But also part of me is like the internet complained about something and it won. Like, I don't I don't like that aspect. Of it. Like, I, they should have just got it right to begin with. They should have gotten it right to begin with. But I am glad they changed because I did enjoy the movie. Yeah. Uh, the best, well, best video movie. game movie ever, I think. Uh, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> can I count Wreck-It Ralph as a video game movie? Or does it have to be a video uh, game before it's a movie? I don't I don't consider that a video game Okay, movie, if but... you don't consider Wreck-It Ralph, then yes, I will say Sonic the Hedgehog meets that low bar. Yeah, to me it's but, easier, because you're not adapting anything. Sure, you, you included some people, but... Honestly, lately I feel like so many people have been including random things. Like Ready Player One included a lot of like video game references and stuff. And Ready like Player that. One, I enjoy. I don't know how to say this nice. I enjoyed it. I would sit down. I would watch it. Same with the book. I would sit down and read. I would listen. Well, I wouldn't read it. I'd listen to the audiobook again. But I don't think it's good. It is like rife with. I'm going to use my favorite term, like plot conveniences. Of like, it feels like the writer stuffed this in as like an afterthought of like, oh, this would be really cool. Where can I fit this in? And just stick it in a place to make it work. Ah, oh. so I wouldn't say it's good, yeah. but I still enjoyed it for whatever that's worth. Like, I will happily subscribe to watching the movie. Yeah, uh, I, I liked it. Don't watch my review on it because I think it's a terrible review. <laughs> Interesting. I'm uh I'm very bland in that review. That that review made me like uh just reconsider how just, I think it made me a better reviewer because I I could look at it and be like, man, I need a little bit more energy and stuff like that. Um but yeah, I don't like that review. <laughs> but fair enough. Hey not, not important. Hey, you're uh I I had a I haven't gone back and watched them. I presume that everybody gets better, but I'm uh, yeah, I'm sure you're way better now than you used to be. You know, I don't review movies any more Seems like speaking. well it's almost time to get back to that though you're, you're that get, we're, we're yeah. in that uh in that zone or close to it we, we are I'm, will you, will you like... review uh 
Space Jam 2. Will you review that? Mm. Uh, probably not. I'm okay. Not, I'm not that. I'm not that excited for it. No, it's gonna be horrible. But <laughs> unless unless it just makes me unless I, unless I have a really hard opinion about it. Okay. I, mean, I think I'm gonna have a really hard opinion about it. But well, we can we can review it real quickly whenever it comes out. Yeah. All yeah. right. Fair enough. <laughs> um. Also, other after news. So they they've been doing somewhat like I don't know covert casting, uh, open casting for it. Like a couple different agencies around the world haven't been saying like oh we're doing open cast for avatar they'll, they'll say like oh we're doing open casting auditioning for a 12 year old east asian boy and a 14 year old indigenous north american girl <laughs> and a 16 year old indigenous north american boy mm-hmm. um so they're doing a lot of open casting on that so hopefully you know we get some cast news in the next couple of months here and there i mean they'll probably honestly sure there's open casting but to me it's more so of like uh you know, the, the studio's like, hey, agents, you know, if you guys have someone, tell us, you know, your best person. But, you know, we're, we're you know, if I had to guess, I'll probably go with a more experienced person. But, or no, I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I still, I I'm still just, do care, but I think I'll care less probably after I watch it. But yeah. I still care right now and going to try really hard to keep caring. I'll yeah. try to be, I'll try to be optimistic. Yep. Uh, okay. So yeah, that is I think mostly the Avatar news um, and my own personal Avatar news about this new. Remember when we used to do like in our first couple episodes, we used to do like a a uh, uh, advertisement bit. <laughs> yeah, there was a one of my favorites. Well, we did Appa, but one of my favorites is there is like a Lego Fire Nation ship that looks mm. sick. So yeah, remember it fondly. Yeah. Well, here's a new one. Uh, this is Fire Lord Ozai. Look at his hair. Uh, action figure. Oh, yeah. They got it all flowing and stuff. Yeah, Pretty much, I feel yeah. like it comes straight from the scene where like he first lands and in this, in the, and it kind of, uh, you know, zooms down. Oh, it zooms down and then you get his whole, like, you know, they, they go from the feet up and the you descent. look at his muscles and everything. Yeah. Uh, but no, I really like this. Actually. Like it comes with a lot of little extra pieces. Like I might make a whole diagram, diorama type of deal once I get the Aang figure. Um, which thing is, I wasn't even planning on buying these. Don't is, even know why I bought this one. Is diorama? I, is that what they make in community all the time? Yeah, is diorama. That, yeah, yeah. Do a diorama. Yeah, all the time. Um, so yeah, uh, so yeah, so that's cool. And I got a couple uh, more on the way. I got a Zuko one coming and a Zula one, which she's crazy and then uh angle and i have a couple other ones um but like again i was not planning on buying them. i don't know why i bought it in the first place but then uh it must have been on sale he is <laughs> so was, ripped and he has such good facial hair he reminds me of like a wrestler like a wrestling toy wrestling yeah. action figures uh almost more than like a cartoon figure but um yeah. he's very he's very intimidating for a toy uh, I have one piece of news that's only that's only mildly related. It, this just just the only venue that I have to complain about it out loud. Uh, but I kind of decided that I want to. I used to play piano a lot. I was like, oh, I got all this tech. I want to play like piano digital. So I like digital electric piano. I don't know anything about the about the technology. I've been out of music for quite some time. And I didn't realize how expensive it was. So I've actually had to start like selling a couple video games to try to afford this stupid digital electric piano that I'm sure I'll play like twice and then never play again. But um, if anybody has any advice on on digital electric pianos, I want the keys to be weighted, and I need a sustained foot pedal. <laughs> and uh, was it like 73 keys was plenty for me. I would take any advice I get because there's a lot of choices out there, and I want to spend a lot of money on some crap. Reach out to me. Help me. Save me. And that's my news. I sold video games. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. Oh, we got a couple comments in our, in our last video. Oh, yeah. uh, this might be a nice little... Uh, I feel like watching... I, I, ideally, I'll probably do this... Uh, you know, in an, an ideal world, we would have... I mean, I love, I love the people listen. Love people comment. Thank you all. Um, 
in the ideal world, we would have you know, a little bit more. And then, we'll, and then like, we'll spend this time before the episode to like, go over comments and, and stuff. Although a lot of times I just write them back on there. Um, but I, think it, I, didn't, I don't think I applied to Kate, uh, Caitlin's. It is um, a cool idea to hit comments from the previous episode at the beginning yeah. of the next uh, show. I kind of dig that. I know we record oh, okay. back-to-back sometimes hurts it, but... That is true. That's we why we did it. We could <laughs> hit it every once we in can. a while, though. Yeah. That's what she said. Uh, hey mm-hmm. I think that's what he said. Um, <laughs> we, uh, it's kind of the same-ish group of people a lot, though, so we'd, we'd find a way to make it, it work. And I enjoy all these people. Yes. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, so I just was actually just talking to uh, Barry. Uh, <laughs> on the last one, he, he, he wrote, all tens, Chris, your core bias is showing. Because I gave uh, in the last episode all tens. And... Uh, and yeah, I mean, I try not. I feel like I'm I'm being uh, very fair this season because I've given this season a couple, uh, you know, very bad episodes. But but uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then uh, Ib the Igbo, yeah, you know, he said before. Keep him honest, Barry. Keep him. That honest. is true. I do. Yeah, keep me honest. You know, call out if I'm if you feel like I'm not being unbiased, and uh, and call out when time you guys disagree with us, which you guys do, which I love. Because it's all, you know, conversation. Well, it's all one. Uh, anyway, uh, if the Gibbo said, I appreciate y'all talking about Tulsa Race Massacre. It's such a great way to share information on your platform. Keep up the great work. Thank you for that. That's, uh, I mean, you know, that's been on my mind a lot lately, just with the 100 years continual of it and everything. And then the more I think about it, sometimes the more I get frustrated about things, just rightfully so. Like they're building a, uh, which I don't know, I need to talk to my sister about what her opinion about it. She's very. Uh, Does she still into- live there? Yeah, I mean, two of my four, well, three of my four sisters still live there. I have one sister who's like pretty involved in, in the community, and she, like, she loves Tulsa. Like, she moved to Houston a while ago, but she probably never really wanted to leave, and now she's back in Tulsa. She's teaching at my old high school, which is her old high school, which is Booker T, Booker T. which has a, you know, it, if there was ever such thing as a historically black high school, it'd be Booker T, um, and like it. It has, you know, connections to Tulsa Race Massacre, which I just, I feel like every time I do research about the Tulsa Race Massacre or do a new report about it, I always learn something new every time. Uh, so, like, the second time I did something, I learned that my school served as a Red Cross, so as a, as a impromptu location for the Red Cross to take uh, wounded and, and everything. And then this time, I learned that that high school was the last remaining building standing uh, in, that, in that area. Uh, which is uh, really interesting, which I've, I'm not like the most prideful person, <laughs> right? Especially when it comes to like school and stuff like that. But I always had a lot of pride in going to Booker T. Like it's, uh, it stood as a, uh, just as a beacon of what, of what, uh, I don't know, what we could, could do and a beacon of diversity. It's always one of the top uh, high schools in the country. Uh well, I won't say always, but a lot of times it's, it's like a top hundred school in, in the nation. All, usually, always in the top of the state of Oklahoma, uh, but it has so much rich history in it. And I remember when I got accepted to Booker T. Like, you have to get accepted. <laughs> and you have to kind of crazy for it. in its own right. <laughs> yeah, and get accepted to it. Like, I remember telling my sister that the same sister I'm talking about, and she like jumped up and down and like hugged me, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's a I don't know. I mean, I've uh, never even been to Tulsa, but was familiar with Booker T. I mean, through sports, so maybe not the... Yeah. But obviously, it's it's pervasive, and it's a very prominent school, so I can see it having a sort of very pivotal place in its community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've just been thinking about that a lot. Um, they're recently going to build a museum, which has a floor, the Tulsa uh, Race Master, which that sounds all well and good and everything, but... You know, cost twenty million. They could have used that twenty million for uh, survivors or descendants of the survivors. Which I never thought of myself as a descendant of survivors, but I technically am. Uh, my grandfather was a was a baby in the, in the race massacre, um, but I just never thought. To me, I think of every single black person in Tulsa as a descendant of a, of a survivor of the Tulsa like race massacre. Like if you had family because, in the city of Tulsa yeah. at the time. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, but no, I never thought of that. And then I oh, don't know. There's a, a a weird delayed sense of, of pride. <laughs> like yeah, I did. Like then again, I don't know. I don't know. Like one 
there's no black music the full private lives of america like one of my favorite thoughts or quotes is like we are our descendants wildest dreams which is absolutely true like like could they imagine one day their descendants being able to have the rights that they have and everything like, even though you know you know we still have issues and everything but we've made strides and strides um, but i never thought of myself as like i'm a descendant of it it's not that i would want you know when we talk about reparations and everything it's not that i want like a, a check or something um like that but you know that 20 million could have gone to something better like have an allowance for for uh you know low interest loans for businesses and stuff to open uh, up down there because so i always I, and granted my opinion probably i don't know how to say this necessarily <laughs> myself my opinion probably doesn't matter much here i always think of the school system it would be like a like such a good entry i t- i cannot get over that that public school is not the same for every kid uh, and it just so happens that the I would say the worst public schools tend to impact the highest proportions of not white people, and I yeah. can't I've never been comfortable with that. And that to me always seems like such a good like fix fix public schools, make public schools equal, and make sure all kids are getting the same education out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, so I said I don't know if that's a good maybe a good venue for re- reparations or anything, but that's always the first thing that comes to my head in terms of starting to uh, starting to pay back or starting to. Yeah. Uh, repair damage is like let's get the kids on on equal footing and I yeah. kill, public school systems i i don't understand it i don't understand oh good point here uh which is okay my to transition to avatar a little bit um so i've been thinking to myself i had a shower thought yesterday when i was in the shower don't know why because you know you think about random stuff i was thinking to myself like the fire nation is the only nation that has a public school system <laughs> Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird thing. Like, Aang. Okay, okay. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The the Earth Kingdom very easily could have. We don't know. It could, but it. But could. we never. Well, see, but like, I'm saying. I'm not saying it could, as in they should do it. I'm saying we could easily just be not aware of like a public school system happening there. Yeah. Like it I'm wouldn't surprise saying, me at all, but. When, <laughs> when, <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking about this. I think I was thinking like, what if they were in like a school setting, like in, a, in uh, middle school and high school and stuff, how would they react? And then I started thinking like, wait, only the Fire Nation has school. Because Aang, they, they, the airbenders are probably taught, uh, but we don't see that. Because um, Aang probably was taught, because Aang probably did get some education because he was talking about how the history of... Oh, wait a minute. I'm sure his well, education was, was different, but it still could yeah. have been considered sort of a public school. Like if all air nomads... Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but at, so, at best, Aang has a fifth grade level education. We never see Aang go to school That's after fair. after this point. Uh, Katara and Sokka, psh, they got like nothing. <laughs> they live. Sorry, kids. And, yeah. Street smarts. Well, it's yeah. not street smarts. It's like the opposite. It's like Discovery Channel equivalent of street smarts. Like he grew up yeah. in the in, in uh, nature. Paul, off being rich i'm sure she really did have the best teachers and stuff um but like you see other kids just out and about just just doing nothing uh, so yeah so i think it's just uh well, no, just a random thought that i had that and like all the time we, in the fire nation they talk about like how like oh yeah we went to the fire nation's royal academy for for girls or whatever when azula was saying how that she met Ty Lee in in may um but no other nation really talks about their school system. And these kids need the education. They haven't, they haven't, in the comics, you don't see them getting the education at all. Okay, but in, think of it this way, though, uh, in, in this universe at this time, we're kind of like, I don't know, is it fair to say we're like pre-industrial revolution for them, right? Yeah. That would be more of like a core age thing. Yeah, so, you know, I, they I guess. Haven't, they haven't gotten around to... Yeah, they're not even they're not nineteen twenties. I mean, if you think about compared to America, well, their tech is like history. They, because uh, well, Legend Core is supposed to be like nineteen. Yeah, Legend Core is supposed to be like nineteen twenty, right? Um, that feels right, like true industrial yeah. revolution, steampunky. Yeah, yeah and, and they said that plenty of times. Like they they say like, oh, the Warring Twenties. Um, we're talking about the twenties a lot with the massacre of nineteen twenty one. Anyway, not important. Um, what do you mean it's not super important? <laughs> Sorry, it is not relevant to this conversation. My apologies. Thank you, Sean. Um, <laughs> this, this massive socio-political conversation we're having, it's really 
Don't even worry about yeah. it. <laughs> um, uh, so um, I, that would put that would put what we're currently no probably at. like eighteen fifty. Yeah, people weren't going to school in the eighteen fifties. Not in the really. same way. Like maybe you had a yeah. schoolhouse in 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 your village in your Hamburg, whatever you call those things. Your what are you? Just no. tiny towns. Maybe you had a schoolhouse of some type. I suppose. Yeah. I'm gonna say more people did not than did. <laughs> Um, and then the Fire Nation would be ahead of the time, so they've got theirs kind of set up. I, I get it. It makes sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, man, we're diverging. Anyway, back to comments real quick. Uh, Caitlin said, it's not Cora's fault she lost her past lives. She tried to unlock it first because he was telling her things she wanted to hear. And look where it got her. It's a loss for us since we grew to love the most recent past lives. But for Cora, it wasn't truly a big loss because she never really relied on her past lives for guidance and wisdom. It wasn't like the end of last season where Amon took her bending when she was at her lowest point. Uh, very true. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know what you don't know. I'll buy, I'll, I'll buy that. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Hoda Hatami says, I think the part where Vatu comes out and pulls Rava out shows how much Unalak is connected to Vatu. And I don't think any Avatar, but maybe Avatar Wan could do the same because he was so connected with Rava. And I think uh, Book 4 Korra might be able to do the same because she is the only one after Wan who is spiritually connected to Rava. I concur with that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hoob said, I never heard of the Toast Race. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm laughing. I think I could... Uh, anyway. I never heard of the Tulsa Race Massacre, but I found it interesting enough to go look it up myself. Sometimes history sounds so unreal. Heard Biden commemorate it this week, which is great, but also sad it wasn't really recognized, remembered before. But we're definitely moving forward uh, the last decade, which I agree with. I mean, a um, lot of what I've learned, uh, I, I don't know how to say it. I've learned more from Chris in the past four or five years uh, about our, like Midwestern American history, at yeah. least, uh, than in lots of master's degree in college and high school prior to that time oh, and Theo said yes a Power Rangers reference I forgot what you even referenced Sean but he said thanks Sean did we Power Rangers what did we reference I don't know did we say Angel Grove <laughs> I, I wouldn't can't, I can't remember hey I'll not put it past us uh, but hey every time we talk about Power Rangers I have to tell everybody just go listen to that theme song that opening song the original one it's it's just pure metal it's beautiful it's my favorite theme song maybe in gosh maybe ever the opening yeah chris you're surprisingly oh, unresponsive do you not do you anti oh just no not? that's great it's, it's a amazing. great theme song the same composer composed the x-men theme song i can't think of the x-men theme song off the top of my head i'll go check that out uh, okay i'm with you yeah, that, that Power Rangers opening theme is sick. So I don't remember what we referenced, but I'm glad we did. Any excuse to talk about that. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Leo. That was like the that was like the full regular crew of commenters and stuff. I like that. Thanks, yeah. everybody. Uh yeah, so that's uh that's all I got. Which that's I was like, like, yeah, that's like forty minutes of other stuff. Let's talk about Was it some, really forty no, minutes? No, it's like uh thirty, twenty five. I don't know. I got the okay. game pulled right. up, so I pulled up the actual thing. Twenty eight minutes. Twenty okay. That's okay. It's a finale episode. It's a big we deal. And we talked a lot about news. And, and that's, I don't know. That's always good things. Um, well, it's not always good news. It's always good to talk about new things. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk. Let's jump into some episode talk. It's a finale. It's a It is big the time. finale of book two. Okay, so um, Quora's really feeling really down on herself. Like, really, really down. Like, she feels so helpless. And I enjoy that a lot story-wise. Because um, I think this is, this is part of Quora's growth. This is one of her lowest points. She was definitely probably lower when she lost her bending. Because uh, I do think she still has all four of her bending elements here. We do see her able to air bend up to the Tree of Time. And uh, we see her water bending uh, when she was that turns to big blue giant spirit. And so this doesn't, this feels sad and sad, but, um, or this feels, of course, so sad. I don't think she feels as sad as she did at the end of book one. Maybe less but, palpably physically devastated, more of a yes, spiritual, yeah. emotional devastation. Yeah. And the way she says, uh, she, she goes to, t she's, she's talking to Tenzin. All right. Cause they're, they're all knocked out for whatever reason. I think Undavatu knocked them out. Um, and Cora's like, I, I lost the connection. She says, Tenzin, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like she says, sorry to Tenzin. I think, Specifically, Tenzin, because you know one of the one of our past lives was Aang, and he and, and Tenzin is kind of the the uh, 
It's like having a I small say, part of your family die again in a weird way. Yeah. Not even a and, weird um, way. Like, he, he, he's sort of the, the keeper of this legacy, and she feels sorry for him, which... So, you know, we started the season off. I hated that they really kind of... Um, uh, divulge. That's not the word I'm looking Diverged. for. Diverge. Stunted. Rescinded. Rescinded the growth between those two characters. Okay. Those two characters, I feel like the end of book one had a really solid relationship. And then they kind of uh, deconstructed and tore it down it's back like to kind of uh, square at the beginning of book two. It's the non-romantic equivalent of like an off-again, on-again like romantic yeah. drama relationship. Like, we don't, I yeah. don't need that. But man, if I don't love how they come together in, in this, by this, by the end of this, right? Because you start off book two, Tenzin is, he's spiritually inept. He can't help Korra, like, at all. I feel like uh, saying Tenzin's spiritually inept, that's like, the, that's like attacking his manhood in a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and those two are, are so separated. Um, and by this point, they, they really need each other. Um, Tenzin, Tenzin, you know, to begin the season, he can't lead Korra spiritually where she needs to go. And that's and that was Korra at her high. Um, you know, she has control of the Avatar state. She feels like a fully realized Avatar, but she's, she's stunted in certain spiritual aspects. And he can't help her, Mr. Spiritual himself. But now he's able to come in and really help her out. And part of that was his own growth, that he could, he had so much uh, doubt on himself. He he had so much of a lack of self realization. Uh, you know, he he didn't when he saw himself in the mirror. He didn't see himself. He saw himself as the, the legacy holder of Avatar Aang, the one who's all responsible for everything. He held himself to his father's standards, and through this season, through this journey, he's become. A little bit more humble, a little bit more to realize that that he is Tenzin. He's not uh, he's not just the son of Aang, and he's able to help Korra as he gets through his own emotional baggage, I guess. But uh, oh, just some great great storytelling, I think on on that wise. Um, yeah. So then he tells her that he gives her some like some great advice he takes her to the tree of time he says you need to learn how to um use your own inner spirit and she's like having you know are you aren't you paying attention like rava's gone he's like i'm not talking about rava i'm talking about you you are cora that's your inner spirit right you have your own inner spirit rava is is a part of you was a part of you yes but it's uh you know it wasn't you and then she and then they go to the tree of time and he's like juan was able to do what he was, not because of of what he was, but it's who he was. And you know, you're the same way. And and uh and Cora is able to take that advice and and connect with her own spiritual self and and bend that energy outward, which is uh which I think is some great storytelling feats here. Um sometimes people will be like, oh this is like came out of nowhere. Um, and they often don't levy that same criticism against Aang's energy bending. But I actually think this is written a lot better because this is... Aang's, Aang was able to spirit bend not necessarily because of... You know what? No, I'm going to take this back. Um, well, he didn't get the ability to spirit bend necessarily because of his own skill or fortitude or growth. Um but because Lion Turtle was like, boom, here you go. <laughs> but now I'm gonna contradict myself here and say that he was he was able to start the energy bending because of because of the Lion Turtle. But I don't think he would have been able to see succeed with it if it wasn't for his own uh, personal strength that he was uncorruptible, and that's part of his, his story. Is that you know no matter what. The world throughout him, you know the, you know he was un- unbreakable in, in that sense. I think, so, uh, yeah, I do think that the the core bit has a little more fleshed out, or a little more like meat to the story that feels right. 
First of all, it's yeah. a heck of a pep talk. It makes you like when Tim's giving that talk, it makes you want to run through a wall. Like, I can yeah. do this. Uh, I think that Chorus does have a little more meat. Um, I think why people, myself included, are so attracted to Aang and the energy bending is that un- uncorruptible bit. Like, that is Aang. Uh, you almost forget every other facet of it. It's like, oh, he's such a sort of a pure spirited human that he just, yeah, sure, why not? So. <laughs> I, yeah. I I totally get why that feels more appealing even to me at times, but I'd really, I tried extra hard at the end of this season, uh, to, to take a slightly more critical eye, uh, and it, and I think I got better. Or I think I got more understanding the farther and farther into the season that we got, especially with this episode being a very appropriate climax. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then she turns into a giant blue spirit, which the, the music is so good, I think, in this scene. Um, and, and, and animation is done so well. Um, it's just a, a beautiful culmination of, of a lot of different skills. Um, the score uh, in the past several episodes, uh, these past, I want to say the last three episodes, that have a lot of really big dramatic tension. There's a lot of great, a lot of great music. Yeah. Uh, so then she goes off and she she uh, she fights uh, Unavatu as a huge giant, which I would have liked more dialogue between the two. I think because it, it it feels it can feels we, more giant another, monster smashy. Can then, we make another Power Rangers reference? It feels kind of like a Power Rangers thing, like. Like this is just the big fight payoff at the end, as opposed yeah. to uh, you know the show that we're sort of used to and expecting. Yeah, which I guess you could say they had that in the last fight. There were there was a lot more dialogue in their last fight, um, and also I think Core, what good I guess would do. And in my head, it'll just be Unavachi saying, like, "No, how could she? Like, um, you know, this this is impossible." Something to that extent, but. I don't know. That's more gawking than, than anything. Because uh, really, they have nothing to talk about. <laughs> I, there's, there's no, like, I'm trying to reach you type of deal. Uh, it's more just like, we're just going to fight and one of us is going to die. Because <laughs> that's, that's, the, um, that's, the, uh, that's, that's what's at stake here. Can you remind me, is this episode a half hour or, a, uh, or tw- 22? Yeah, 30, or... yeah third, 20 minutes, where it's 22 um... minutes. So I, I'm, and I'm just thinking about this now. I've not fleshed out this idea in my head, but if we look at like the finale of, of any of the Avatar, uh, the original Avatar seasons, like the first one's a two-parter, the second one, season two, it's a one-parter, uh, just a one-parter, isn't it? But it's mm-hmm. that's probably the closest to this, where there's like three or four big episodes all at the end, but they're not really, yeah. It, it, it's three or four individual episodes and that kind of resembles this. But I wonder like if you just semantically said like, Oh, this, uh, the last two episodes of this season is a two parter. If that might, if it might make us feel different. I know when I'm judging those really big episodes, I try to think, well, they had, you know, four times as much time to fit in a good story. But, um, I don't know. I haven't fleshed that idea out at all. I was just trying to remember if this was an exceptionally, or a relatively short amount of time to work with versus other finales. No, um, not really. Season, that. yeah, season two just had yeah. the one parter, and and uh, book one of Korra just was a one parter as well. So fifty fifty so far. Yeah, uh, there there is something interesting. Even even though they're not, even though they don't have dialogue, there is a story aspect going on in the fight. Korra is looking for Rava in this fight. Um, that that's that's the meat of the story here, and Mike and Brian always talk about how like each fight needs to have you know a story aspect to it, and and Korra is looking for that last strand of Rava inside of Atu because um, you know when she looks in Tree Time she sees that you know Rava sells to Juan like I can't destroy him anymore than he can destroy me like I would just he would just grow inside me I would just grow inside him and so she's looking for Rava um, and. I want to point out because sometimes people are like, "Oh, Cor would have lost his fight if it wasn't for Janora." Cor was in. There was one point in the fight where Cor is in in charge of the fight, but she's just busy looking for Rava. 
Um, because, you know, that is, she needs to get that back in order to to be the avatar, in order to bring on a light back to the world. But then Vatu does get the upper hand, and then Kor- and then Janora shows up uh, uh, in a way, inexplicably <laughs> shows up. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, She was and, called. Yeah. And, I actually uh, forget what, do they even... It's, so... <laughs> This is the this is the worst part of the episode to me because they don't try to explain it. Uh, it's somewhat lazy to me, which I, I'll kind of and this is, this factors into the my story score. Um, in my head, Janora's purpose here is to shine a light bright. I don't even know what she's holding in her hands when she's coming down, but <laughs> maybe she gathered up small bits of Rava and that helps. Uh, no, that doesn't make sense. I guess she's just holding some type of light in her hand. And she's she, holding a metaphor? <laughs> I guess. So, I don't know. And she shines the light, and that light is able to point, pinpoint where the light is at inside of Vatu. It kind of jump-starts Rava a, a little bit. And then, um, and then, and of course, able to find her. Uh, find Rava, and then take her out of them and then rip, rip them out of there and then uh, spirit bin Vatu and destroy some in the Vatu. Um, but even in even in the commentary for this episode uh, <laughs> Brian, they get to this point and Brian's like hey Mike uh, what is Shnora doing there? And Mike playfully is like uh, I don't know. And then he goes on and explains like the, you know, the idea is that, that you know Shnora uh you know, she she she, she kind of emits some light for for Rava to to be pinpointed and everything. But even then, that was a very on a lackadaisical uh, reasoning or excuse, which they it this is one part they definitely could have uh, put some more explanation behind. Because to me, it's not that hard to explain it because you can explain whatever you want to at this point but they just didn't try which is weird you do have a lot of leeway because you're in the spirit world like you could probably spin anything into something that sounded okay like like just 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 show oh janora like scrapping up little bits whatever of of rava and 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 say that she did that and i found rava in everything yeah (laughs) whatever We'll buy it. You know, I gotta be honest, and I, I know it's lazy watching or not being critical enough, but it's one of those things I didn't even it didn't occur to me when I was watching that like, hey, what's she actually doing? Like I I just <laughs> took it in stride. I think yeah. because it's the spirit world, it's like, oh I probably just missed something earlier. Yeah. Um I'm not proud of it. Yeah, so that uh that was a little lazy. Uh but anyway, Cora's able to uh then defeat uh uh, defeat Unavatu. Um, there's also a weird thing that that Janora's mom and Iki and Milo are in Republic City when they were in. They were with Tenzin, because uh, then you know Tenzin brings Janora to their mom to to uh, Pema, and Pema's like concerned and everything. But then why wouldn't Pema stay with the Janora's body? In the South Pole with Katara, what would be the reasoning, the the, the logical reason for her to go back to their home when she want to be by the bedside of Janora? I mean, like she's like dying, essentially. Like they're worried about her that she's in the spirit world alone. Story wise, show wise, they only put Pema there. In my this is my excuse. They only put Pema there so that she can be the fan's eye of seeing Janora. Um, and then she says like, "Be careful, baby," and stuff like that. Um, but uh, and that's probably a nitpick, especially compared to the uh, trying to explain Janora's piece. I don't know that that. Yeah. I think that's more than nitpick. I think this is pretty valid, yeah. valid questions for the you know the pinnacle of the season. You think you'd want to have stuff pretty well fleshed out at this point? Yeah, uh, which makes which is more weird because I feel like season one is written really really well. Um, besides the teen romance drama stuff but yeah. it's probably more of a of a preference deal Agent. um but yeah to me it's more of a preference it, deal. It's like it's written, it, yeah yeah it's written like fine 
Um, to me, it's not like a I could take it or leave it. Um, but this season, they brought on they brought on extra writers and stuff this season, and to me, it's not written better. And maybe it's maybe it's a little rushed or something, but I don't know. But that part uh, could have been done a lot better. You know, even the issues with the animation studio, you trying to coordinate with that, I can see that impacting the entire process enough to, to cause be like, issues. hey, let's just yeah, let's just let's just fill uh, it wrap in, wrap up this, make it work. <laughs> yeah, like they they say, playing time to season two was their hardest. <laughs> yeah, so I could see just the whole continuity uh, of the process not being great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, okay, and then on a little B plot there, dark spirits are attacking. Um, Tenzin, uh, Kaya, Mako, Bolin, and Eskandesna does join them. Um, they, uh, which I, I, I like that scene of, of, uh, <laughs> Bolin being like, let's face the end of the world together. <laughs> and Eska says, like, you're so romantic. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Yeah, really like that part. Uh, even though that part of the story is somewhat very inconsequential because they're they're facing just random plague dark spirits, I do like certain aspects of it because uh, one thing you see all four bending at the same time, right? Mako lightning bends, Tenzin air bends, Kaya water bends, and Bolin earth bends. It's just always cool to see all four elements being used yeah. at the same time. Um, and you put some people in peril. It, right? does, in it does feel like busy work a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Cause then Cora is, uh, she saves the day and she's able to get back in time. Like they're like pushed back to the tree of time to where like, all right guys, this is over with, right? Like we're about to lose. And then Cora gets back in time to save them. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of just done. I don't remember just, what is said, but I do feel like Mako gives a pretty impassioned phrase or two. I don't remember what yeah. he actually says. Uh, yeah, so then, yeah, she saves the day, and Korra refuses with with uh, Rava, which is, one thing is, well, I'll, I'll bring this up later, hopefully, just about scaling. I'm going to bring up scaling later, I'm talking about audiovisual. Um, but, uh, yeah, she refuses with Rava, you know, great music again, and uh, yeah, that's kind of how it ends, and it ends with uh, the Korra and Mako, uh, Korra and Mako breaking up for real this time. Which I think is a a very real, I don't break up like it's a, it's, it's oh it's it's, it's a it's a mature, uh, I don't know yeah mature official, uh, realistic breakup I think. Is does, I feel like I'm misremembering. Does she like state that the spirit portals are staying open, or what's it? Yeah. So got, okay. So after after. Um, after she breaks up with Mako, there's then this idea in her head, like, well, maybe Vatsu was right. And maybe Unalak was right. Like, spirits and humans shouldn't be separated. Like, um, and then Tenzin's like, whatever you do, I'll support you. Yeah. And Cora decides to leave the spirit portals open. Uh, granted, she could close them at any time. <laughs> and so to me, that's like a, I don't know, always, anytime I try to make a decision, it's like, well, if I could, if I could undo this decision, Anytime I want, sure. Then, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's just try take a out. chance, see how it goes. Yeah. You know, let's let's give it a teaser. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, they make it sound like a pretty big deal at the time because it's a big sounding. Yeah. No, decision. it, it yeah, is. Yeah. It is a very, it is a very big deal. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, so she leaves spirit portals open, and then she says, like, she, she, she I think she gives a really great speech, which is funny because you, you uh, compare that to her first speech in Republic City, which is just like. Uh, she's so lost. But here, I think she gives a really good speech. It's like, I will no longer be the bridge between the two worlds. Like men, humans will have to learn to live together. Um, you know, I, I think we're entering a new spiritual age, or a new. I think she just says we're entering a new age, which is and it ends on that note. Ends on uh, I think a pretty, pretty future viewing note. Again, it kind of makes you. Uh... It's very motivating. It's like a great pregame speech that she gives there at the end. Maybe a nice, a nice like bookend of character growth. I think her original speech came in like, is it maybe episode two? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. so yeah, a little little bookend. No, I think episode one. In the episode, was one. it episode one? 
Yeah, so yeah. that's like a nice, like a nice mile marker there. Look how far she's come. Look at this great thing that she's saying, uh, facing the public and making her own decisions. Feels good. Very rewarding. Yeah, the uh, yeah the South Pole uh, successfully succeeds from the North. Uh, you don't see that uh, being a good thing. Every... <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, some politician they're talking about critical race theory which is uh, well I say that as if I don't like critical race I hate it when people try to uh, so critical race theory is just like hey let's teach about uh, how messed up the United States have been in the past <laughs> pretty much which is uh, cool because we gotta teach our history right if we don't learn you know, we don't teach it right we're gonna not gonna learn the lessons from it um, but some politician was like I don't think we need to do that like we've uh, we've We've uh, kind of absolved ourselves of of some of the our past transgressions and all. You sin. sound like the neighbor guy but, from the movie Pet Cemetery. He's <laughs> like, then he was like, in the Civil War, we uh, we rectified you know slavery by abolishing it. I was like, wait, who's this we? Because you're from a you're from a state that uh. <laughs> I know you don't Kentucky. remember because you weren't there. <laughs> Who, who is this weep? Are there still plenty of people who hold up Confederate flags? Like, who is this we aspect you speak of? It's very collective we, apparently. <laughs> very collective. As, as, if, as if the Civil War was just like, everybody meeting together was like, should we abolish slavery? Let's all sit down. But let's uh, all come to one cohesive... Do a T-chart, or not a T-chart. Uh, yeah, a T-chart with the pros and cons. We'll take yeah. notes. And we all came together. and Then the end will pass a vote. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, except for you guys, you guys don't get not, to. Not, not even a vote. Not even. Was, I felt like he made it sound like they all held hands and said, "Yes, let's abolish slavery." <laughs> no, um, which reminds me of like sometimes when people are like, "Racism doesn't exist in America." Like we elected a black president. Like it only took fifty-one percent at most <laughs> to elect a black president. Like, and I'm not saying that the other half is racist. I'm just saying that the majority wasn't. That didn't, like, doesn't define a been, non-existence. Yeah, there could have been you know five percent of that other half that was really really racist. We didn't get rid of racism because we elected a black president. Um, I I get where even if you take race out of it, I get where if any time you're like, we're not going <laughs> to teach this in schools. I'm like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> Which thing? Is, yeah. is it important? Oh no, it's just history. Okay, fine. Uh. uh which uh, it's funny because I don't think I started really questioning United States roles and events until probably my maybe it was college. Yeah, I think maybe it was college. And my you know professors in college, That's what college are, are, are supposed are, to do. Yeah, you know, you know, they're talking about like the opium, United States opium. Uh, I forgot where it was. Was it Japan? China or Japan? They, it was China or Japan. Where I don't remember what they happened. they purposely uh, I, and I'm terrible history now because that was a long time ago. Right? Anyway, uh, something about opium in the United States. Essentially, an opium crisis well, where we were we were sort of funneling it or facilitating. Like it may not have been yeah. us feeding it directly, or it may have, but facilitating its presence in countries that we didn't like. Yes, some that point. Uh, and, then, and then we learned about you know other stuff about it. I mean. And I say the point where that you know where teachers are like, listen, we were messed up in this case. <laughs> I remember I had one teacher in high school who was like, we went over each we went over each war, United States role in it, and it was like, hey, here's the Civil War. Like, some people uh, <laughs> might be, have a perspective that we lost that. <laughs> like he was pretty honest about like, hey, some people are still uh, uh, kind of uh, burher about it. But anyway, not. I don't know how I got on that. No, I don't. Uh, I honestly don't either. But it got me thinking about uh, when I was really young. I had a toy, a toy plane. Uh, you know, just like like this big metal whatever. And I was playing with it, and my grandpa uh, was like, "Yeah, that's the plane that dropped the atomic bomb on on Japan." And so as a kid, you're like, "Wow, sick!" And then as yeah, I got yeah, older, yeah. and I still had that plane, and I, was, and I can still sort of remember myself remembering how my grandpa said it. And I was like, wait a minute, he wasn't saying that like a cool thing. All right, hold on, let's apply some critical thought to this. Oh, that's bad. That's not a good thing. Uh-huh. 
Not saying I would take it back or making a political statement one way or the other. Just amazing when you notice your own perspective changing with life experience yeah. and not being a small child. But yeah, uh, war is war is nobody wins. Complicated yeah. and yeah. and it's important to not look at it. I don't know as a black and white deal. Like innocent people die um, oftentimes, and it's important to think about that. It's like anyway. it's, it's vivid more more than noticing myself growing. The vivid part to me is the memory of like how my grandpa told me, and remembering that later. It's <laughs> like oh yeah, like mm. you know, it's not like he was telling me like it was, he was trying to use it as a teaching tool, and I'm probably just like wow. Grandpa tried. He tried his darndest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, it's related back to Avatar. You know, there's that great scene of Zuko confronting his dad. Right, and it's like you know, growing up, we were taught again. They have a public school system. Uh, well, he went to a private, great private school. You know, <laughs> growing so. up, we were growing up, we were taught that Fire Nation was the greatest civilization in the history of the world, and our war was a way of sharing our greatness with the world. He's like, what an incredible lie that was! Like, you know, that's in a lot of essence the way the U.S. public school system is. Yeah, I think so. Sad but true. But hey, college, it sounded like college for you at least, uh, did its job, right? You start asking bigger questions and realizing. Yeah, start, got to start paying money for the truth. <laughs> Listen, they only teach you the teaser stuff at, at public school. Now, you, now you're paying your way. And... Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, this oh, is a very, great. Yeah. This is a very education oriented episode. I like it. Yeah, ratings. Got the ratings. Oh, um, yeah, I thought we were done. Crap. Here I did too for some reason. <laughs> Just chatting. That's uh, fine. I have visual, 9.5. So I wanted to bring up before, uh, in the commentary, Brian brought up a really cool thing, which I probably know it's more so this time around because I watched on a much bigger TV, is how cool the scaling is, right? So uh, when Cora turns into a huge giant, uh, she, you know, she, she rips Rava out of her. <laughs> and then Rava is, is a giant now also, but Rava is still very small compared to Korra. And it's just a really interesting dynamic. And then Korra's holding Janor in her hands. It's just a weird, in a really cool way, uh, weird dynamic. Um, so yeah. That's um, something I pick up on in video games sometimes and I get really proud. I did not, I did not pick up on it here. It's, if you look back and watch it, like this is such a weird thing, like Korra being a giant looking down at, <laughs> at Rava and Janora. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, the music was also great in this episode. Nine and a half story, given eight and a half for everything that I absolutely loved about uh, Cora and her growth in this, and being able to connect to her, her own the energy within herself. Um, that was all really done really well. If they would have explained the Janor aspect, I could have possibly given this a nine and a half, um, but I got knocked it for that because that's like I defend. Cora a lot to 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 anybody, but then I'll be like, sometimes I'll be like, you know, there's you know, just as many plot. You know, they sometimes people be like, oh, but they didn't explain so many things in the show. I'm like, they explain like everything, but the only thing they didn't really do a well job explaining was how Janora, um, how Janora was able to do that one thing. They also don't explain that that well about how they're new Airbenders, but I was able to buy that a lot better just because harmonic convergence is a vague enough thing um, that I'm, I'm able to roll with that a lot easy. And that, you know, to be fair, that's like one of the, my crux with this entire season is like harmonic convergence, this sort of big nondescript ordeal. Like, sure. Why not? No. It can happen. Uh, so that's just an eight and a half uh, memorable. I love, I love this episode. Um, I think it's a, uh, I always go back, to it really i think the crux of this is, is as a as a cora fan <laughs> um you know I, I love this was well i love that you know she's able to bend the energy within herself like, this is a big big accomplishment <laughs> that cora by herself defeated the living no avatar state no past lives were able to defeat the living embodiment of chaos and darkness uh, so that rounds up, not rounds up, it's a nine. Solid rating. Uh, very close for me. I had audio visual at a 9.5. Ditto to what you said. I'd say there's a slow minute or two, very minor nitpicks that I'm going to dock for, but nothing major. It's it's great. 
story. I actually went with a nine. I will say that uh, you pointed out at least two serious things that I would not have picked up on before, which is maybe a flaw of our rating system as I'm watching through my own dumb eyes as opposed to other people's uh, insightful ones. But no, it's a, it's a, I will say it does a really nice job of in the past two or three episodes, you feel like it could be ending uh, and it does a nice job of kind of still delivering something bigger. Like even over these previous Mm, episodes that were already big and exciting and impactful. uh, And it does, it does go bigger in a kind of literal way. So yeah, a good enough job, I suppose. So uh, nine, I'm fine with it. I'll live with it. Memorable, nine and a half. Uh, another case where I do kind of get stuff blended together a lot, but I always remember, uh, even to this, like this being sort of my second watch through, looking forward to Giant Korra versus Unavatu fight, and this time it had way more meaning for me, picking up on more detail, things like that. So very memorable experience. That for me is a 9.3, which brings our rating up to a 9.15 or a 9.2. Great. Uh, one thing I didn't mention was uh <laughs> so looking at that picture i'm reminded of a it's meme a of like of ang being like i won't kill anybody and, and then the core would be like die bitch <laughs> my core is like ripping into just tearing her so, spirit heart out she, oh i also her. love the move she does she does this like kind of move and i can't it's it feels like a very real martial arts move Oh, it reminds me of the was the five step punch and kill Bill. I haven't seen that in a long time, but the name sounds familiar. She was uh, so she was, uh, you know, Bill made the bride teach under this teacher, right? And then they set it up like early in the movie, early in one movie where they're like, oh yeah, it even he has this move called the five step punch, where if he punches you, the next five in the next five steps you take, your heart will will give out. And uh, and the and so she went to him and learned under him, and she went back to Bill. And she was like an assassin for Bill or something like that. And then she goes to fight Bill, and they're they're sitting down. He's giving her some stupid talk about Clark Kent, Superman. It's wrong anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, she she then does a five step punch on him, and he's like, "You learned that?" And she's like, "I did." And he's like, you didn't tell me? And she's like, I didn't tell you. I don't know why I didn't tell you, but I just didn't. Which is, oh, that's interesting. Because, you know, they were, like, lovers. They were pretty much married <laughs> at one point. Until she got pregnant with his child, and she didn't want the child to grow up. Anyway, I love Kill Bill. Uh, the whole, the both series. I need to go back it's and watch them. It's been eight years since I've watched them. I need to get back and watch them again. Yeah. Um, the, uh, anyway. Yeah, it reminds me of the five-step punch thing. But... Uh, oh, also, I think this episode is probably the closest we'll ever get to, like, Avatar, Dragon Ball Z with the whole spirit blasting thing. I think they did, did a really good job with the sound effects of it because it has that type of deal. And it's not just a blast. Like, you see the animation around it. I think it's done really well also. But I just wanted to mention that. That also goes to my audiovisual. It was uh, It did feel kind of like a giant sort of, what do they call it, kaiju monster, Power Ranger fight thing at the end there. Yeah. Um, but obviously, when you reach inside of a spirit and rip out its spirit heart, other spirit, it's it's the the yang to its yin spirit straight out of its heart. Uh, mm-hmm. That gives it a little more impact. But um, that's great fight, great yeah. episode. Even that picture, I mean, that's a pretty stellar picture. And I love the northern lights look in the background. And everything. Oh yeah, yeah. And the episode starts off with the northern lights too. Yeah, oh, it's a. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the season starts off with the north, but great visual the, right there. So, yeah. Oh, and they, uh, and also like, like Cora looks different. Like she's like more elongated. They purposely did that. Um, like it wasn't just a, a clear like, all right, let's just take Cora's size and just you know times her by twenty. Like she's weirdly more longer. Her if that makes proportions sense. Proportions are slightly yeah. different than they are yeah. as a. Has really human. Yeah. Okay. She grew up in a weird, literal yeah. way. A couple ways. Uh, oh, I also really loved... Now, I'm feeling like I'm remembering everything from audiovisual. I just really loved the scene where Korra's, like, riding Rava up to the to the uh, arc, if you will. I would have loved to see her re, like, do the whole motion of, like... Like, in my head, Korra rides Rava up to a certain point, and then Rava lets her go, 
right? And then, like, Cora's floating in the air, then Rava comes down and fuses into her, and then Cora touches the the arc and refuses with, you know, permanently refuses with her, and then she they falls kind of down. Pulls in toward her like a magnet or something going on. Yeah, but they didn't show, like, the actual fusion mask, but they showed her riding up Rava, which is still a great scene. Keep that. I think it was just beautifully animated. But And that's Chris's re-rating. Yeah, <laughs> me going back on a riding of it. Still holds, 9.5. Um, yeah. Great episode. Uh, not an amazing episode, but great. I think that's fair. I mean, it's, it got a 9. Two. That's a yeah, nine, pretty one, nine, amazing. Two. That's yeah. that's the right ballpark for this episode, I think. That being yeah. said, we are done with this season. <laughs> done with the season. Which I will, I will probably not be. It's probably only one more episode that I'm going to be harsh about. But actually, I won't be harsh about it because I understand where it's coming from. Yeah, but you still got to look at it outside of that. Outside yeah, that's of that, true. Uh, that's true. gotta be, I gotta be uh, as objective what, as I possible. I feel like, or at least, well, I'm not gonna tell you how to, because obviously, <laughs> let's be honest, it really doesn't matter too much. Uh, it's it's our podcast; we do what we want. But in my head, it's like you have to take what what you get in in the show. At least no, is always that. my approach. But yeah, uh, which unfortunately, I just in remembrance's case is is rough. My my review will be unbiased, but I think my talking about it. I won't be as uh, negative, <laughs> I guess, on or as passionately. Uh, and it's a it's an opportunity it. to share this story with other people who may not have heard yet. So that's exciting too. Um, even if the episode itself, understandably, is is bad. So yeah, looking forward to it either way. Looking forward to this next season, pretty heavy. But we're not going to jump right to the next season yet. We are going to uh, have at least what. Filler episode sounds mean, but at least one uh, kind of one-off episode or spin-off episode, and then we might look at doing some like rankings episode or something like that before we jump in. Because I think once we jump into season three, it's going to be hard to diverge, as yeah. we're just going to keep wanting to talk about season three. That's my prediction, at least. But definitely next week, one filler, one spin-off. A filler sounds too negative. One spin-off episode next week, and after that, we'll see where it goes. Chris, final thoughts? Uh, you know what? I, I I love the season, even though I hate a lot of little aspects of the season uh, or somewhat bigger aspects of it. Oh, we didn't mention that Varig broke out of jail. <laughs> uh, the universe wanted him to be free. Yeah, I think I forget how he words it. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, um, what but, a, uh, what a tremendous character, Varig. Yes, he gets, and he gets like even more attention uh, coming keep, up. And yeah, it just keeps getting better and better as time goes on. It's like getting hit in the head with a rock every day. Um. All right. Well, thanks for watching. Uh, come back next week for a little what if spinoff. Hope you had. Uh, hope you guys. I don't know where I'm going with this. We're summer. Summer. It's almost summer. So hope your summer gets off to a great start. My name's Sean Taylor. That's Chris Ford up there, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter. As Avatar The Last Podcasters, Book Two Spirits, Chapter 14, A Light in the Dark. Um, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd be happy to hear from you or leave a comment on the video. We'll try to do a little better at addressing our comments in our episodes. So thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Very late on it.